Chapter Three, Part Three of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter Three, Part Three. Hook, sixteen eighty-eight. The posthumous works of Robert Hooke, M.D., well known as a great mathematician and natural philosopher, appeared in 1705, containing a discourse of earthquakes, which, we are informed by his editor, was written in 1668, but revised at subsequent periods. Hooke frequently refers to the best Italian and English authors who wrote before his time on geological subjects, but there are no passages in his works implying that he participated enlarged views of Steno and Lister or of his contemporary Woodward. In regard to the geological extent of certain groups of strata, his treatise, however, is the most philosophical production of that age in regard to the causes of former changes in the organic and inorganic kingdoms of nature however trivial a thing he says a rotten shell may appear to some yet these monuments of nature are more certain tokens of antiquity than coins or metals since the best of those may be counterfeited or made by art and design as may also books, manuscripts, and inscriptions, as all the learned are now sufficiently satisfied, has often been actually practiced, etc. And though it must be granted that it is very difficult to read them, the records of nature, and to raise a chronology out of them, and to state the intervals of the time wherein such or such catastrophes and mutations have happened, yet it is not impossible. Respecting the extinction of species, Hooke was aware that the fossil ammonites, nautili, and many other shells and fossil skeletons found in England were of different species from any then known, but he doubted whether the species had become extinct, observing that the knowledge of naturalists of all the marine species especially those inhabiting the deep sea, was very deficient. In some parts of his writing, however, he leans to the opinion that species had been lost, and in speculating on this subject he even suggests that there might be some connection between the disappearance of certain kinds of animals and plants and the changes wrought by earthquakes in former ages. Some species, he observes, with great sagacity, are peculiar to certain places, and not to be found elsewhere. If, then, such a place had been swallowed up, it is not improbable but that those animate beings may have been destroyed with it, and this may be true both of aerial and aquatic animals. For those animated bodies, whether vegetables or animals, which were naturally nourished or refreshed by the air, would be destroyed by the water, etc. Turtles, he adds, and such large ammonites as are found in Portland, seem to have been the productions of hotter countries, and it is necessary to suppose 
that england once lay under the sea within the torrid zone to explain this and similar phenomena he indulges in a variety of speculations concerning changes in the position of the axis of the earth's rotation a shifting of the earth's centre of gravity analogous to the revolutions of the magnetic pole etc none of these conjectures however are proposed dogmatically but rather in the hope of promoting fresh inquiries and experiments in opposition to the prejudices of his age we find him arguing against the idea that nature had formed fossil bodies for no other end than to play the mimic in the mineral kingdom maintaining that figured stones were really the several bodies they represent or the mouldings of them petrified and not as some have imagined a lucis natura sporting herself in the needless formation of useless beings it was objected to hook that his doctrine of the extinction of species derogated from the wisdom and power of the omnipotent creator but he answered that as individuals die there may be some termination to the duration of a species and his opinions he declared were not repugnant to holy writ for the scriptures taught that our system was degenerating and tending to its final dissolution and as when that shall happen all the species will be lost why not some at one time and some at another but his principal object was to account for the manner in which shells had been conveyed into the higher parts of the alps apennines and pyrenean hills and the interior of continents in general these and other appearances he said might have been brought about by earthquakes which have turned plains into mountains and mountains into plains seas into land and land into seas made rivers where there were none before and swallowed up others that formerly were etc etc and which since the creation of the world have wrought many great changes on the superficial parts of the earth and have been the instruments of placing shells bones plants fishes and the like in those places where with much astonishment we find them this doctrine it is true had been laid down in terms almost equally explicit by strabo to explain the occurrence of fossil shells in the interior of continents and to that geographer and other writers of antiquity hook frequently refers but the revival and development of the system was an important step in the progress of modern science hook enumerated all the examples known to him of subterranean disturbance from the sad catastrophe of sodom and gomorrah down to the chilean earthquake of sixteen forty six the elevating of the bottom of the sea the sinking and submersion of the land and most of the inequalities of the earth's surface might he said be accounted for by the agency of these subterranean causes he mentions that the coast near naples was raised during the eruption of monte nuovo and that in fifteen ninety one land rose in the island of st michael during an eruption 
and although it would be more difficult he says to prove he does not doubt but that there had been as many earthquakes in the parts of the earth under the ocean as in the parts of the dry land in confirmation of which he mentions the immeasurable depth of the sea near some volcanoes to attest the extent of simultaneous subterranean movements he refers to an earthquake in the west indies in the year sixteen ninety where the space of earth raised or struck upwards by the shock exceeded he affirms the length of the alps and pyrenees hook's diluvial theory as hook declared the favorite hypothesis of the day that marine fossil bodies were to be referred to noah's flood to be wholly untenable he appears to have felt himself called upon to substitute a diluvial theory of his own and thus he became involved in countless difficulties and contradictions during the great catastrophe he said there might have been a changing of that part which was before dry land into sea by sinking and of that which was sea into dry land by raising and marine bodies might have been buried in sediment beneath the ocean in the interval between the creation and the deluge then follows a disquisition on the separation of the land from the waters mentioned in genesis during which operation some places of the shell of the earth were forced outwards and others pressed downwards or inwards etc his diluvial hypothesis very much resembled that of steno and was entirely opposed to the fundamental principles professed by him that he would explain the former changes of the earth in a more natural manner than others had done when in despite of this declaration he required a former crisis of nature and taught that earthquakes had become debilitated and that the alps andes and other chains had been lifted up in a few months he was compelled to assume so rapid a rate of change that his machinery appeared scarcely less extravagant than that of his most fanciful predecessors for this reason perhaps his whole theory of earthquakes was met with undeserved neglect ray sixteen ninety two one of his contemporaries the celebrated naturalist ray participated in the same desire to explain geological phenomena by reference to causes less hypothetical than those usually resorted to in his essay on chaos and creation he proposed a system agreeing in its outline and in many of its details with that of hook but his knowledge of natural history enabled him to elucidate the subject with various original observations earthquakes he suggested might have been the second causes employed at the creation in separating the land from the waters and in gathering the waters together into one place he mentions like hook the earthquake of sixteen forty six which had violently shaken the andes for some hundreds of leagues and made many alterations therein in assigning a cause for the general deluge he preferred a change in the earth's centre of gravity to the introduction of earthquakes some unknown cause he said might have forced the subterranean waters outwards as was perhaps indicated by breaking up of the fountains of the great deep 
ray was one of the first of our writers who enlarged upon the effects of running water upon the land and of the encroachment of the sea upon the shores so important did he consider the agency of these causes that he saw in them an indication of the tendency of our system to its final dissolution and he wondered why the earth did not proceed more rapidly towards a general submersion beneath the sea when so much matter was carried down by rivers or undermined in the sea cliffs we perceive clearly from his writings that the gradual decline of our system and its future consummation by fire was held to be as necessary an article of faith by the orthodox as was the recent origin of our planet his discourses like those of hook are highly interesting as attesting the familiar association in the minds of philosophers in the age of newton of questions in physics and divinity ray gave an unequivocal proof of the sincerity of his mind by sacrificing his preferment in the church rather than take an oath against the covenanters which he could not reconcile with his conscience his reputation however in the scientific world placed him high above the temptation of courting popularity by pandering to the physico-theological taste of his age it is therefore curious to meet with so many citations from the christian fathers and prophets in his essays on physical science to find him in one page proceeding by the strict rules of induction to explain the former changes of the globe and in the next gravely entertaining the question whether the sun and stars and the whole heavens shall be annihilated together with the earth at the era of the grand conflagration woodward sixteen ninety five among the contemporaries of hook and ray woodward a professor of medicine had acquired the most extensive information respecting the geological structure of the crust of the earth he had examined many parts of the british strata with minute attention and his systematic collection of specimens bequeathed to the university of cambridge and still preserved there as arranged by him shows how far he had advanced in ascertaining the order of superposition from the great number of facts collected by him we might have expected his theoretical views to be more sound and enlarged than those of his contemporaries but in his anxiety to accommodate all observed phenomena to the scriptural account of the creation and deluge he arrived at most erroneous results he conceived the whole terrestrial globe to have been taken to pieces and dissolved at the flood and the strata to have settled down from this promiscuous mass as any earthly sediment from a fluid in corroboration of these views he insisted upon the fact that marine bodies are lodged in the strata according to the order of their gravity the heavier shells in stone the lighter in chalk and so of the rest ray immediately exposed the unfounded nature of this assertion remarking truly that fossil bodies are often mingled heavy with light in the same stratum and he even went so far as to say that woodward must have invented the phenomena for the sake of confirming his bold and strange hypothesis a strong expression from the pen of a contemporary burnett sixteen ninety 
at the same time burnet published his theory of the earth the title is most characteristic of the age the sacred theory of the earth containing an account of the original of the earth and of all the general changes which it hath already undergone or is to undergo till the consummation of all things even milton had scarcely ventured in his poem to indulge his imagination so freely in painting scenes of the creation and deluge paradise and chaos he explained why the primeval earth enjoyed a perpetual spring before the flood showed how the crust of the globe was fissured by the sun's rays so that it burst and thus the diluvial waters were let loose from a supposed central abyss not satisfied with these themes he derived from the books of the inspired writers and even from heathen authorities prophetic views of the future revolutions of the globe gave a most terrific description of the general conflagration and proved that a new heaven and a new earth will rise out of a second chaos after which will follow the blessed millennium the reader should be informed that according to the opinion of many respectable writers of that age there was good scriptural ground for presuming that the garden bestowed upon our first parents was not on the earth itself but above the clouds in the middle region between our planet and the moon burnet approaches with becoming gravity the discussion of so important a topic he was willing to concede that the geographical position of paradise was not in mesopotamia yet he maintained that it was upon the earth and in the southern hemisphere near the equinoctial line butler selected this conceit as a fair mark for his satire when amongst the numerous accomplishments of hudibras he says he knew the seat of paradise could tell in what degree it lies and as he was disposed could prove it below the moon or else above it yet the same monarch who is said never to have slept without butler's poem under his pillow was so great an admirer and patron of burnet's book that he ordered it to be translated from the latin into english the style of the sacred theory was eloquent and the book displayed powers of invention of no ordinary stamp it was in fact a fine historical romance as buffon afterwards declared but it was treated as a work of profound science in the time of its author and was panegyrized by addison in a latin ode while Steele praised it in the spectator whiston sixteen ninety six another production of the same school and equally characteristic of the time was that of whiston entitled a new theory of the earth wherein the creation of the world in six days the universal deluge and the general conflagration as laid down in the holy scriptures are shown to be perfectly agreeable to reason and philosophy he was at first a follower of burnet but his faith in the infallibility of that writer was shaken by the declared opinion of newton that there was every presumption in astronomy against any former change in the inclination of the earth's axis this was a leading dogma in burnet's system though not original for it was borrowed from an italian alessandro degli alessandri 
who had suggested it in the beginning of the fifteenth century to account for the former occupation of the present continents by the sea laplace has since strengthened the arguments of newton against the probability of any former revolution of this kind the remarkable comet of sixteen eighty was fresh in the memory of every one when whiston first began his cosmological studies and the principal novelty of his speculations consisted in attributing the deluge to the near approach to the earth of one of these erratic bodies having ascribed an increase of the waters to this source he adopted woodward's theory supposing all stratified deposits to have resulted from the chaotic sediment of the flood whiston was one of the first who ventured to propose that the text of genesis should be interpreted differently from its ordinary acceptation so that the doctrine of the earth having existed long previous to the creation of man might no longer be regarded as unorthodox he had the art to throw an air of plausibility over the most improbable parts of his theory and seemed to be proceeding in the most sober manner and by the aid of mathematical demonstration to the establishment of his various propositions locke pronounced a panegyric on his theory commending him for having explained so many wonderful and before inexplicable things his book as well as burnett's was attacked and refuted by keel like all who introduced purely hypothetical causes to account for natural phenomena whiston retarded the progress of truth diverting men from the investigation of the laws of sublunary nature and inducing them to waste time in speculations on the power of comets to drag the waters of the ocean over the land on the condensation of the vapors of their tails into water and other matters equally edifying hutchinson seventeen twenty four john hutchinson who had been employed by woodward in making his collection of fossils published afterwards in seventeen twenty four the first part of his moses's principia wherein he ridiculed woodward's hypothesis he and his numerous followers were accustomed to declaim loudly against human learning and they maintained that the hebrew scriptures when rightly translated comprised a perfect system of natural philosophy for which reason they objected to the newtonian theory of gravitation celsius andrea celsius the swedish astronomer published about this time his remarks on the gradual diminution and sinking of the waters in the baltic to which i have occasion to advert more particularly in the sequel chapter twenty nine schutzer seventeen o eight in germany in the meantime schutzer published his complaint and vindication of the fishes seventeen o eight piscium querile et vindicae a work of zoological merit in which he gave some good plates and descriptions of fossil fish among other conclusions he labored to prove that the earth had been remodeled at the deluge pluche also in seventeen thirty two wrote to the same effect while holbach in seventeen fifty three after considering the various attempts to refer all the ancient formations to the flood of noah exposed the inadequacy of this cause italian geologists valisneri 
i return with pleasure to the geologists of italy who preceded as has already been shown the naturalists of other countries in their investigations into the ancient history of the earth and who still maintained a decided pre-eminence they refuted and ridiculed the physico-theological systems of burnett whiston and woodward while vallisneri in his comments on the woodwardian theory remarked how much the interests of religion as well as those of sound philosophy had suffered by perpetually mixing up the sacred writings with questions in physical science the works of this author were rich in original observations he attempted the first general sketch of the marine deposits of italy their geographical extent and most characteristic organic remains in his treatise on the origin of springs he explained their dependence on the order and often on the dislocations of the strata and reasoned philosophically against the opinions of those who regarded the disordered state of the earth's crust as exhibiting signs of the wrath of god for the sins of man he found himself under the necessity of contending in his preliminary chapter against st jerome and four other principal interpreters of scripture besides several professors of divinity that springs did not flow by subterranean siphons and cavities from the sea upwards losing their saltiness in the passage for this theory had been made to rest on the infallible testimony of holy writ although reluctant to generalize on the rich materials accumulated in his travels Fallisneri had been so much struck with the remarkable continuity of the more recent marine strata from one end of italy to the other that he came to the conclusion that the ocean formerly extended over the whole earth and after abiding there for a long time had gradually subsided this opinion however untenable was a great step beyond woodward's diluvial hypothesis against which Vallisneri, and after him all the tuscan geologists uniformly contended while it was warmly supported by the members of the institute of bologna among others of that day spada a priest of grazana in seventeen thirty seven wrote to prove that the petrified marine bodies near verona were not diluvian Matani drew a similar inference from the shells of volterra and other places while constantini on the other hand whose observations on the valley of the brenta and other districts were not without value undertook to vindicate the truth of the deluge as also to prove that italy had been peopled by the descendants of japhet chapter three section three